Hello and welcome to the Chorus in the Chaos podcast. My name is Jack, and if you don't know me, I'm a confessional, Calvinistic, post-millennial Presbyterian, which if you happen to have your handy-dandy Christian denominational decoder ring on, means you might have already added all those words up to determine that I'm a stick in the mud when it comes to having a good time. That's because many associate Reformed theology, confessional, Calvinistic, post-millennial Presbyterians such as myself as stuffed shirt nerds who forgot a long time ago how to relate to normal people. Completely fair. Genuinely, completely fair. And while I don't hope or think that I'm too much of a buzzkill, I say it's fair because I've met my fair share of these people, and I can truly appreciate that Reformed Christian stereotype. And this time of the year seems to bring out the worst in these folks. I mean, some Christians during the holiday season just could be outright insufferable. Kind of like that friend who can't stop talking about CrossFit or, you know, the latest mid-level marketing thing they're involved in, right? It can seem impossible to carry on a single conversation without them interjecting hot opinions about the pagan nature of Halloween and Christmas and its direct homage to Satan. And while I truly appreciate their desire for piety and the conviction of their hearts, the holiday season, I can't help it, remains my, one of my favorite times of the year. Now, to be fair, Halloween and Christmas do have pagan influence and are commercial, commercially driven money-making machines. But let's just be fair. Can all things be unique? It's hardly unique. Like the brand of clothes you're wearing, for example. Odds are, if you were to seek it out and go deep enough, you would yield unchristian roots or values held by its designer or manufacturer. Yet, we wear and promote them, not even intentionally maybe, but we wear them with little consideration of the maker's values. And, I, you know, to be honest with you, I think the true could be same for holidays. It's entirely possible, and maybe wise, to utilize what is helpful and do away with what isn't. And while my clothes analogy uh, has holes in it, pun intended, it's not perfect, I get that, uh, the fact remains that outside of the institution of the church, there are few events few institutions, few products or celebrations that are not tainted by this broken world. And navigating through them with wisdom can be extraordinarily difficult. Halloween, in particular, is a dark reminder of the challenging dichotomy that permeates through all of the Christian life, living in the world, but not being part of it. For Christians wishing to altogether avoid pagan-rooted holidays, Halloween is the easiest to eliminate. I mean, the day is littered with images of non-Christian things, right? Death, demons, trickery, violence. You know, none of these things are should be associated with the church and wholesomeness. And for most, whatever drummed-up spiritual connotations are attached to the day of Halloween are almost always usually those of wickedness, not godliness. So in a desire to remain unstained for the world, many will boycott Halloween or create some weird Christianized variation of it. Like, I don't even know what a, tr- what a trunk or treat is. Anyway, who, what is that? I have no idea. Yet in their well-intentioned desire of devotedness, you know, food for thought, I fear many in the church are overlooking something or missing an opportunity because built within the cliche traditions of Halloween, there are some wonderful opportunities to foster real life-giving community. For example, I live in a neighborhood that is essentially of a circle of about 50 houses. And every year, all the kids and parents will meet up and go trick-or-treating house by house. And one of the kids, you know, usually in a Spider-Man outfit or some equivalent, right, will knock on the door and offer the customary phrase to receive a few pieces of candy. And when that happens, the adults will talk. They'll spend a few minutes catching up with the neighbors while the kids revel over their new candy treasures. 
And we even have a few very popular neighbors, I add, who sit outside in their driveway with a pot of warm apple cider, fresh made, to greet all the others as they come by. They'll pour them pour them drinks, right? It's delightful. It really is. It's a lovely time. My wife and I look forward to Halloween every year for that for that event. And if you boycott Halloween or plan to spend the evening holed up in some church function, I urge you to reconsider. Again, I don't want to go against your conscience, but here's food for thought. Think about it. Halloween is one day a year, maybe the only day a year, when all of your neighbors will gladly open their doors to you. It's a tremendous opportunity to talk and invest and get to know your community. For a culture that prides itself, the American culture that prides itself on the power and strength of the individual, Halloween is kind of an anomaly if you think about that. No other holiday has such a focus on community involvement. Even Christmas, for all its wondrous joy, tends to kind of be an inclusive family-centric event. You know, you may go see family on Christmas, which is normal, but you're not spending it out in the community, typically. Not to mention, when Halloween is celebrated tastefully, it can be great fun. So one objection I can hear coming from my uh, confessional Calvinistic post-millennial Presbyterian uh, friends is there is concern about exposing yourself or children to the dark, evil imagery in Halloween. And this is a valid concern. I'm not making light of this. It's certainly the risk here, right? And it's one worth praying about. And I because and I'll give you an example. For, for example, I recall one Halloween a few years ago when one of our neighbors took things a little a little too far as the little group of parents and kids were going around the neighborhood. One of the neighbors thought it'd be fun to put on a Jason mask and kind of stalk the group from afar, hiding behind trees and such. And it it frightened the children a great deal. Most of the kids were, you know, six years old or, or younger at that time. So I had to approach the guy and like, hey, what are you doing? These are young kids. And he understood, he apologized, and actually he stopped immediately. And later that night when we got home, my kids were still a little shaken up and we had to speak to them about it. It wasn't pleasant. I did not enjoy that part of it. But the truth is building community with sinners is often messy and unpleasant. Just is. And and such things are reminders that we live in a dark world that we're called to be a light unto. And as much as I would like or prefer to shield my children and myself from the evils of the world, I'll never be able to perfectly do this. You know, I can limit exposure, but I cannot create immunity. Parenting and shepherding our children's hearts is a gradual process of godly instruction and and letting go, releasing control. In fact, the moment a child leaves the womb, we begin that relinquishing control process. I would rather my children observe some of the dark ugliness of the world, but I can still offer some gospel-centered instruction than to face it for the first time alone. And if I can show them how to cling to Christ in difficult times while cultivating the gospel within a dark world, all all hope is apparent that I've done well. Now, certainly every family and situation is different, and you truly should do what you believe is God-honoring. My hope here is not to alter your conscience, but rather, again, to give you kind of food for thought as to how a Christian or Christians can redeem Halloween should you choose to. And as the people of God, I think as a principle, we were never meant to hide from the culture. We're called to go into the culture and redeem it for the kingdom of God. So this Halloween, if your conscience allows, I encourage you to make the most of the holiday. Use it to build community. Use it to have fun. And use it to get to know your neighbors. Christians ought to be the life of the party. Literally, we ought to be the life of the party. And if you don't have children to walk around a neighborhood, or maybe you don't feel safe doing so for various reasons, use the evening just to serve the visitors that come to your house. 
Talk to them. Get to know them. Ask where they live. What do they do? You might be surprised at how just a little cup of warm apple cider or a pleasant conversation will warm someone's soul. Get to know your neighbors. Get to love them. And share with them the peace of Christ that surpasses understanding. Thanks so much. This has been Jack with The Chorus and the Chaos.